You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled The Tool. Hello my radio friends. Welcome to the program today and I'm very glad you've joined me. I enjoy working by hands as well as my mind. Just after my wife and I were married, we bought an old radiogram which was a combination unit of both radio and a record player. It was a bit shabby, so I decided to make a new cabinet for it. I had a hammer, some screwdrivers, a hacksaw, a measuring tape, a ruler and some sandpaper for tools. And that's all. So, with lots of care and making sure I got all the measurements right, I built, stained and varnished the new cabinet and then installed the electronics. We enjoyed that radiogram for several years and I was happy with my maiden effort in making a piece of furniture. It is well known in the trade that to be successful, a worker needs the right tools for the right job. Now, are you aware that on June 2, 2020, President Trump signed an unusual document known as Executive Order Number 13296, implementing religious laws called Advancing International Religious Freedom? $51 million US dollars was set aside in order to encourage governments to make progress in eliminating violations of religious freedom. It's very interesting that the United States has, since then, ceased funding of the World Health Organization, yet is prepared to take on this new venture without consulting other world leaders of its intentions. It's also very interesting that the US government is getting involved in religious matters outside its own territories. According to the First Amendment of the American Bill of Rights, protections are made to allow citizens to express ideas through speech and the press and to assemble or gather with a group to protest or for other reasons, and to ask the government to fix problems. It also protects the right to religious beliefs and practices. It prevents the government from creating or favouring any religion. But something strange seems to be happening that, according to me, is in contradiction to the American Bill of Rights. What that amounts to is that the government is meddling with religious matters besides its normal civil matters. Church and state is not a good mix because when the church uses the state to enforce its views or creeds upon the people, inevitably there is much suffering. Take, for example, some of the Muslim-controlled countries. The head of government is often a cleric and the government is used to enforce that particular cleric's religious views. Now, 
Please don't think that what I'm talking about is something that only happened in the past. Not at all. It is happening now. In some of those Muslim countries, to become interested and follow a different religion other than the one authorised by the state is like being given a death sentence. That's why Christianity is almost unknown in those countries. When a Muslim converts to Christianity, he or she must do it secretly or leave to live elsewhere. In the past, the Roman Church dominated much of the then known world. And if you've studied world history, you might probably know that the pagan Roman Empire became the Holy Roman Empire in 538 AD, at which time the Pope gained ultimate power that's both political and religious. Kingdoms that did not recognise the Pope as world emperor were attacked and or subdued. History attests that dissidents were persecuted and killed by civil forces, including armies, under the authority of the church. In other words, the state became a tool of the church. This situation remained for 1260 years, until the then reigning Pope Pius VI was captured by the French under the direction of Napoleon Bonaparte, and that happened in 1798. In Jeremiah chapter 13, verse 23, is a curious statement. It says, Can the Ethiopian change his skin, or the leopard his spots? The statement continues by presenting a contrast about people who are used to doing evil, making an unlikely change and start doing, the go- start doing good things. In 1929, the Roman Church was granted civil status again when the Vatican was recognised as a civil entity. The religious power, the Roman Church, has full authority over the Vatican State. The question must be asked, does the Church, that is the Roman Catholic Church, have any grandiose plans to become a world religio-political power again? Well, many would say that it does. It seems that like in the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages of world history, the Church has not changed its skin or spots or intentions. In a previous program, I was able to share with you how the Jesuits, the secret society wing of the Roman Church, has been gaining influence in world political, religious, financial and educational circles with one goal in mind. And that goal is to make the Pope the world political and religious leader. Well, is there any evidence that such thing is happening? Well, one evidence to me is that many statesmen, presidents and prime ministers of different countries around the world go to Rome to have an audience with the Pope. Why would these political leaders consult with someone 
who is a religious leader. I believe global warming is another issue where the Roman Church is collecting favour with world leaders to make laws and make countries conform to regulations controlling greenhouse gas emissions. No other world leader has the status nor authority to take the lead in controlling global warming. Another evidence is the concentrated efforts made by the Church, that's the Roman Catholic Church, to gather all world religions under its umbrella and attempting to have them recognise the Pope as the world religious leader. I am aware that Catholics and Lutherans have signed documents to put some of their main differences aside for the sake of unity. However, it is the Lutherans who've had to make all the compromises. Some of the large evangelical churches have been making friends with the Roman Church. Now, most of what I've just shared with you is not commonly known, but stealthily and silently there is a shift in other religious circles to make friends with the Catholic Church. Executive Order number 13296 might seem like a very good thing, but some see it as a step to eventually force people to belong to a one-world religion. Does the Bible have anything to say about what I've just shared with you? Indeed, it does, and it's quite scary. Revelation 12 and 13 are fascinating chapters of the Bible and not particularly well understood. Revelation 12 introduces us to Satan, the devil, described as a dragon who so disrupted things in heaven that he, with many angels who were deceived by him, were cast out and came to this fresh new planet. The chapter describes how he attempted to destroy Christ, the Redeemer, and when he failed at that, decided to go after God's people. Here, let me read that bit from Revelation twelve seventeen, where it says, Then the dragon was enraged at the woman, and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring. In chapter 13, we're introduced to a beast, a hideous monster, that emerges from the sea. I'll read Revelation 13, verse 1. The prophet John records the vision God gave him and said, And then I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast is symbolic of a powerful organisation, and the horns are symbolic of a power belonging to the main power. This power is very strong. Verse 2. The beast that I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and the mouth of a lion. When you understand the symbolism of past national powers, that is, kingdoms, 
you might realize that this beast traces its history in previous world-dominant kingdoms, including Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greek, and Roman. Verse 3. The dragon gave this beast his power, his throne, and his great authority. So who is the dragon? Well, it's Satan. This sea beast power is controlled by Satan. Therefore, the sea beast must be an evil power. Well, the next verse begins to identify that sea beast. And it says in verse 3, One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but that fatal wound had been healed. Now, this is the same power that is described in Daniel chapter 8. And then it goes on to say, Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war with him? Obviously, the sea beast has enormous power and influence because people worship it and remark that its strength and influence is so great that no human agency is able to challenge it. Verse 5 goes on to say, The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. It's 1260 years. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. And he was given authority over every tribe, people, language and nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. So what world-dominant power best fits this description? Well, I'm going to answer that question straight after the break. Oh, well, I'm tired And I'm so weary But I must go on Till the Lord comes and calls me away The morning is bright And the Lamb is the light And the night is as bright as the days There will be peace in the valley
will be gentle And the lion shall be tame And the wolves will lay down By the fold And the beast from the wild Will be laid by child, and I'll be changed from this creature that I am. There will be peace in the valley for me someday. Just before the break, I asked the question, what world-dominant power best fits this description? Is it communism? Is it Islam? Is it materialism? Is it evolutionism? Is it Nazism? Well, many Bible scholars and the Protestant reformers without any doubt identified this power as the papacy, the Roman Church. It is the papacy that set itself up as God on earth. It is the papacy that persecuted and killed the saints. It is the papacy that exercised authority over the nations. And that same papacy still exists and seeks to exercise power over the whole world. That is the sea beast that stands in opposition to God's true people. But now God shows another beast, but this one is different. It seemed quite innocent, but in reality was also very powerful. And verse 11 says, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke as a dragon. In prophecy, the sea represents a place with a large population. The opposite is the land, representing a place of low population. Because of persecution in Europe, the pilgrims, as they were known, decided to move to a relatively uninhabited area so they could practice their religion. They were Protestants and they wanted to live without molestation by the Catholics. So they went by sea, and the Mayflower landed on the shores of America in 1620. In the establishment of the new colony, there were two main rights which characterised their society, the right to free speech and the right to practise their religion without interference or control by any other government or organisation. The two horns of this lamb-like beast 
are thought to be freedom of religion and freedom of speech, which I spoke about earlier. You may have heard the title attributed to America, meaning United States, the land of the free. But wait, notice what Revelation 13 verse 12 says. It says, He, the land beast, exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, that's the sea beast, whose fatal wound it be healed. What that verse is saying is that USA will be the tool used by the papacy to inflict itself upon the people of the earth. Just as in the past during the Dark and Middle Ages, a religious power used political power to enforce itself on people. It is my opinion that what happened on June 2, 2020, when President Trump signed the Executive Order 13296, is one of the first signs of the civil power, United States, getting involved in and promoting the interests of the Roman Church. Verses 13 and 14 mention marvellous things performed by the land beast. And at the end of verse 14, the prophet John saw that he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, and he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. Currently, the United States of America is the most powerful country on earth, although China is currently challenging that position. The saying goes that when USA sneezes, the rest of the world catches cold. When something happens in America, you see that immediately affecting the financial markets. The vision God gave John suggests that the ambition of the papacy to have the Pope as world political and religious leader will be driven by the US. The prophecy continues in verses 14 and 15. He, the land beast, interpreted as USA, ordered them to set up an image in honour of the sea beast, who was wounded by the sword yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. Well, who gives such evil and drastic powers to set up an image, which is probably corrupt Protestantism, to go so far as to kill those who will be not part of their dastardly plan. In view of the fact that people are forced to do what their consciences forbid, that power must be given by the devil. Now I realise that what I'm sharing with you today is quite unsettling. Human rights are to be abandoned. Freedom of conscience to be abandoned. Worship of the one true God abandoned. This sounds almost 
like a repeat of what happened in those disastrous, dark and middle ages of history. There were only two alternatives back then, to worship God and be punished, ostracised or killed, or go with the flow and be part of the false one religion in order to save your skin. My dear listeners, I believe we are fast approaching a similar time when again there will be two alternatives and it seems we are seeing the United States of America, the land of the free, beginning to wield its influence to cause all to give allegiance to the Roman Church. And I, for one, plan to be true to my conscience. In the last year or two, the world has changed a lot. It will never be the same as before. And I think we are being conditioned to accept that even bigger, more drastic changes lie ahead. However, eternal life is not for the faint-hearted. It is a promise given to those who are faithful to obey God, to obey him and to stand firm and accept the forgiveness and grace that he offers. And I feel certain that everyone will be compelled to make a choice to choose what God offers or choose to be in league with the evil one working through other agencies. I choose to be faithful to my conscience and my God. But what will your choice be?